We're so glad to have all of you here today. Welcome all of our guests. Let's welcome all of our guests today, our Sunday school class. Thank you for being here today. Amen. I'll let you be seated. Our announcements for today as our ushers are going to wait upon you for our Sunday school offering. Let me make you aware of a few announcements. Uh, a back to school prayer service will be held next Sunday at 5 o'clock here in the gymnasium, 5 to 6, and it's about that time the kids to go back to school. So we're going to pray. We contacted uh, teachers and principals and superintendents, and they've sent us uh, things that they feel important that we pray for and about. So uh, be sure and be here next Sunday evening, 5 to 6. And then uh, August the 16th and the 17th in Paris, Illinois, there is... Uh, they're going to be building a church in a day. Now, that's quite a, a feat if you've never seen that or been a part of that. And I know this is the first one in, our sta in the state of Illinois that they've done. Uh, it's quite impressive. So uh, that will be happening August 16th and 17th in Paris, Illinois. So if you've never been to Paris, this is your chance to go to Paris. Uh, for more information or to sign up, please stop by the table at the front of the church after service today, so be mindful of that. There's also some church work projects. Uh, we used to have church work days and, you know, a couple times a year and everybody come and we wouldn't have the tools to do it and then we'd have to go get stuff and by about lunchtime we'd have the stuff, but then it would be lunchtime, it'd be time to eat and then, you know, so... Uh, we're going to do that in a little different format. There's some church projects that need to be done if you're available to help with some of those random projects, some of them small things, some of them may be a little larger things uh, throughout the day or evening, whatever time you would be available. Please see Brother Kyle for more information about that. Please pray for our senior quiz ministry. They are in St. Louis today with the uh, National Quiz Tournament. And I do know that... Uh, uh, the senior team, uh, Olivia, Ella, and Jackson, I know, I'm sorry, Olivia, Constance, and Jackson, I know they won both their games yesterday, and they'll be playing today, this morning, so pray for them, amen. Also pray for uh, Marcus Collins, brother Marcus, sister Sarah, been attending here for some time, Marcus just graduated from SIU in, with his law degree, but he's been studying the last uh, six weeks or so uh, for his bar exam, and that's been pretty intense. That happens. Uh, they're not here today. They're going to be in Chicago area. He'll be taking that Monday and Tuesday, so pray, whisper a prayer for Marcus. Amen. He's, he said he'd be glad when this is over. Amen. So be praying for him. In fact, uh, these uh, that we've mentioned, and I'm sure there are others, and in our main service we're going to take some time to pray for those that need healing or those that might be sick. But uh, as we pray for this class, let's pray for those uh, couple of needs, our quizzers and Marcus and Sarah. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your blessings, God, and your goodness to us, your children. I praise you for your, your promises to us today. We stand on your word. Lord, we declare that we have faith in it. We trust your word, O oh God. And I pray, Lord, that you would move in this class. Help us, Lord, to understand who you are in a greater measure as we enter this lesson. God, I pray you touch Marcus today. 
God, I pray you be with him in the next couple of days. Touch our quiz ministry, Lord. Give them strength today in Jesus' name. And everybody said in Jesus' name. Amen. We are continuing in the discipleship project, uh, coordinated teaching for all age levels, and I'm excited to continue in this. And in the uh, last couple of weeks, in fact, this first uh, this summer series, uh, we've been studying the great I am's of Jesus Christ. Uh, I think it's very important to understand who Jesus is. I think that's very, very important. I think uh, the basis of all of our decisions and um, our thoughts and our attitudes, the kingdoms of our mind, amen, those things need to be built on something that's solid. You can't build the kingdoms of your mind on shifting sand. The philosophies of this world, the attitudes of this world, the mentality of this world, because that sand is shifting Amen. So I want to build those things on a rock. And Paul talks about bringing down the kingdoms of our minds, bringing into subject, subject every thought, bringing into captivity every thought, and uh, surrendering it to the knowledge of Christ. So that means what I know about the Lord is paramount, and I need to stand on that. No matter what's going on in my life, I need to stand on what I know about Him. So let me, let's break that down just for a minute. If I know he's good, then when things are happening that, I may, that may cause that to be challenged, I need to stand on knowing that God is good. Sometimes our first response is, well, Lord, why, am I, why is this going on in my life when I know you're good? Well, any parent knows that there are things that go on in their life and times uh, with raising children that uh, there are things that they want out of life and there are things they want to do in life that you know as a parent this is ultimately not going to be real good for them. Right? And uh, I believe most of you were here Wednesday night but uh, just to repeat it don't uh, I think we need to always remember that and it goes along with our lesson today uh, knowing who Jesus is, I think it's paramount for us to remember that uh, Jesus, when he was here on earth in his earthly ministry, wanted us to always be aware that our relationship with God is, is as a child-parent relationship. Amen. It's, I, I, he, he, God is my friend, but this is more than just a friend. How many have seen parents that tried to be their kid's best friend? That didn't turn out too good, did it? Because <laughs> you're not their friend. You're first their parent. Now, it doesn't mean you should be unfriendly to your kids. You should be, you know, they should want to hang out with you. If they don't want to hang out with you, we got other issues. But, but it's very important for us to understand that our walk with God is as a child parent. He is our father. We're his children. Amen. And so that opens up a door for us in our attitudes with one another. Uh, the Lord loves everybody else just as much as he loves me. Because we're all his children. Somebody say amen. Somebody say amen. He said, if you know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more does your heavenly father know how to give good gifts to them that love him? Amen. So I, I, I'm thankful for a heavenly father today that loves me. 
Something else that we need to consider in that regard is that uh, the Bible says that when he comes, he will turn the father's hearts back to the children. How many can say, well, I don't know if I want to love God because my dad did this or my dad did that. Well, he didn't say if your dad knew how to give good gifts to you. No, he didn't do that, did he? He said, if you as a father know how to give good gifts to your children. How many know that when that child was born, something happened in you that uh, you didn't realize was going to happen and uh, it changed everything? Pray for Jared. I saw Jared in the hardware store just a few days ago. I said, well, you getting it? I said, you, I looked up. He's standing there and I was looking at bolts and all that in the hardware aisle. And I looked up and there's Jared and I said, man, you look tired. He said, I am tired. I said, that baby sleep good? He goes, yeah, she sleeps real good all day long, <laughs> but she doesn't sleep at night. Now, I know God's good even when your baby's not sleeping at night. <laughs> Somebody say amen. And so I think it's very important we understand that the Lord in his word used that uh, very emphatically. If you, being a father, know how. Now, this, well, my father this. Well, I can't, I can't be a father for my father. That's his job. I can be a father to my children. And the Bible says that when he comes, speaking of the Messiah, he's going to turn the father's hearts back to the children. And I think if, if we're going to use this solid ground of is Jesus, Jesus is my heavenly father, then, then you've seen fathers be pretty mean to their kids. Amen. So it may, you know, the, when Jesus comes into your life, he, he, the Bible says he'll turn the heart into a father's heart. Amen. He, it makes me a good father. Now, this is not Father's Day, thank God. <laughs> We're way past that. But uh, when we start thinking about who Jesus is, Jesus said, except you believe that I am he, you shall die in your sins. So um, the identity of Jesus Christ is very important for our salvation. And, and you're kind of seeing a little of that today. It affects everything about us. It affects the way we treat our children. It affects the way we go through tragedy. It affects the way we go through trials. It affects the way we come to church. Uh, it does. How we feel and what we think and what we know about the Lord uh, affects our salvation. You're never more in danger of failing, uh, falling out with God than when uh, you're in a trial and you're wondering about his identity. Who are you? I mean, it's like the disciples on the boat toiling and there he comes across the water and some of them said that's a spirit and they're, you know, not knowing who he is doesn't help you in the storm. You gotta know who he is. Because if you know that's him, <laughs> What do you do? Hey, Jesus, come get in our boat. See, if you'd think he's somebody else, he would pass them by. And like we heard, this is not, I'm not even to my sermon yet. But I'll say this, all those connections in the Bible has to do with how, what we know about Jesus, what we know. Now, 
the enemy's going to try to, to challenge those, those thoughts. There'll be things in life that challenge those. Uh, how many know he's a healer? How many, how many has the Lord healed you every, every time? No, wait, before you raise your hand. I know he's healed you. But how many has he healed you every time you were sick? Every time. No. In fact, uh, my wife got healed. Uh, you know, I've seen healing in my family. But then there's been people in my family that we pray for just as just said the same words, believed the same God. They weren't healed. God mad at them? Did they sin and that's why they're sick? Oh, Jesus said, wait, because the disciples asked Jesus that. Did they suffer this because they were impure? The Lord said, no, absolutely not. So when I know he's a healer, but yet I'm still sick, I got to hold on to who I know he is, whether he heals me or not. This is the, this is, read the book of Job, be careful about some of those chapters. As I mentioned, don't take much theology uh, after Job talks to God and, and then his friends show up. Don't take much from the friends talking all the way to about the 38th chapter. That's just a bunch of hogwash. It, it, no, wait, the word of God is not hogwash. <laughs> Make no mistake, that's not what I'm saying. I, but the Lord did say to Job, don't listen to those three cats, they're, they're ignorant. So what they've said for all those chapters, you say, oh, it says in Job 35, that well, gee, the Lord says to Job, these fellas don't know what they're talking about. So it's in there for us to know what ignorant folks talk like. <laughs> it's anointed. And you know he anoints ignorance. Thank God, right? <laughs> All right, let's get. I am, we're studying the great I am's of Jesus Christ. Today's lesson, let's say it together. I am the good shepherd. Say it again. I am the good shepherd. I am the good shepherd. Uh, John 10 verse 11 is our our diving board today. So we're jumping off here. John 10, 11. I am the good shepherd, and the good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. Let's, let's read that out loud. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. I guess that's what it means to be a good shepherd. It's not about you. You give your life for those that you're in charge of, I guess, and care for. When you think about shepherds, I guess when we think about Bible characters uh, that were shepherds, uh, springing first and foremost is David. David. And we know that when he was in the, the fields watching the sheep, there was a lot of things going on. He was obviously uh, uh, very diligent about being a good shepherd, but there were other things that he was doing because we know of the songs, the songs that he wrote, many of them while he was young, many of them while he was uh, w watching sheep, uh, probably singing these songs. The Bible talks about, uh, we know that David uh, was a musician. He knew how to play the lyre. He, uh, he prayed in the way, he meditated on the Lord's goodness because these are, 
when you hear the songs that he wrote, you, you sense the heart from which that song is springing and he is talking about the goodness of the Lord. He's meditating on the Lord. He's by himself and he's got a very difficult task. Taking care of the family's flock uh, is a difficult task. Think about taking care of livestock. Now, modern inventions and, and uh, ex, uh, uh, advances in uh, caring for, for uh, livestock has come a long way. Amen? You just couldn't go down to the hardware store and buy a bunch of wire or go buy a bunch of fencing. You know, you, you, you had to improvise. There, you, we've come a long way in caring for livestock. In those days, it was a little more difficult, maybe much more difficult. David was a young shepherd, and he was outside. Uh, you know, he didn't put everything in a fence and go inside and eat supper and go to bed. He's outside with his flock, enduring violent storms. Um, flash floods, uh, thunder, uh, you name it. In, in a little better weather, he probably was a little less worried. Maybe the heat and maybe dry spells, he would have to know where the good pastures were, where the water was, where the springs were. Uh, and if with that, in, in being uh, unfenced, uh, unhindered, uh, kind of a roaming job, he would have to give an account for all those sheep. So he's continually counting them. In fact, uh, the Bible talks about the good shepherd. We'll talk about this in just a little bit, but let me jump to it. I guess this is a good uh, analogy because it's, it's a theme in the scripture. It says the good shepherd knows his sheep by name. How many uh, have named your animals? Right? <laughs> your husband has a name. Your boys have a name. No, I'm uh, You know, you can get a cat or a dog. You name them. You know, I, my, one of my neighbors uh, out south of town, uh, Mr. Tackett, he's, he's taking care of some sheep for an individual in our community. And, uh, and uh, this, this individual that owns the sheep or has the sheep uh, has a bunch of kids, and they come out periodically and look at the sheep that Mr. Tackett's taken care of, and, and uh, the, the fellow brought his kids out, and they wanted to name the sheep, and Dad said, oh, no, no, we're not going to name Seth. You're going to name them. we got two names. You can choose from two names. Uh, you can either name them Eero or Taco. Now, for those of you that aren't... Uh, Accustomed to Greek food, that's gyro is probably what you think, or you know, it's ero. It's a sam. Everybody know what a ero is? Okay. Well, when I said you can either name them ero, you kind of thought I mispronounced hero or something. Okay, that went over real good. <laughs> said you can name them taco or ero. That's the only thing you can name them because they're raising them for a high purpose. Tacos and eros. <laughs> uh, but we name our sheep, uh, name our animals, name our horses, name our cats and our dogs. Uh, the Lord knows us by name. David probably was the same way. Uh, something else interesting in this open 
open environment uh, where there's not a lot of controlling influence as far as uh, physical things or structure, uh, this, this shepherd would need to know where to lead his flock to keep them protected. He would have to keep account of them. He'd probably enter into some type of relationship where he would talk to them even, uh, in, if you didn't, even just studying in secular uh, shepherding with sheep. They, the shepherd's voice is a calming influence. I remember uh, uh, one of my uh, one of the livestock that I have to care for that's under my stewardship. I come out of my back door one day early in the spring, and I was going going to go cut some wood, and I didn't have on uh, my normal get up, and I had on uh, a big floppy hat, and I had stuff in my hands that I normally don't carry. And when I walked out of the door, my livestock that I'm caring for was standing at the, on the front porch. And when I walked out and this cat saw all that get up, she took off running down the sidewalk. And it was not until I spoke. And when I spoke, she, she put the brakes on. She didn't recognize me. The, the shepherd's voice uh, calms the sheep. Amen. Now, I, I could jump to all this, but it's very important that the Lord speak into our lives. It's very important that we give him an environment to do that. And probably with my noise, well, he could speak through all that. But, uh, um, you know, with the radio all the way up and the cares of life going on, I need to give God uh, plenty of opportunity to speak in my life. Now, he can yell at me when I'm listening to something else or something else has my attention. But I need to give God plenty of opportunity to speak in my life. Somebody say amen. Most of all, a shepherd like David would keep careful watch over his sheep, he would be very watchful of predators or even thieves. Uh, he was his flock's sole protector, willing to stand in the, in the face of danger to protect the sheep. Uh, to do that back in those days, nowadays, you know, you'd probably have a sidearm, you know, or a shotgun. And you may even do some target practicing. David probably did the same thing. I don't think when he met Goliath in the valley of, of battle, I don't think that's the first time he threw a rock, flung a rock. I think he'd done that many times, and by his own testimony, we know that. He often defended his sheep from wild animals. He said, standing before Goliath, the lion and the bear came out, and I defended my sheep. When I got done counting, they were all still there, and the wild beast was gone, killing the lion and the bear that had come to take from his flock. That's a brave shepherd. Jesus said, I'm the good shepherd. I want to tell you, the Lord does the same thing for us. Wow, that went over. <laughs> I know, we got that what have you done for me lately thing. You know what, I think uh, there have been a lot of people talk about the 30 minutes of silence in heaven and you know, that's before the ladies get there. Uh, you know, whatever they say, I'm not sure... <laughs> Theologically, I'm not sure how that's worked. You know, I don't know if we have any explanation, so anything we say is a stretch. 
So when you say, well, this is what I believe, well, just make sure you emphatically declare that that's just your opinion. Uh, but but uh, I, so this is just my opinion. I, I, I do feel like that when we get to heaven, we're gonna be amazed at how many bears and lions God kept off of our front porch. I'm gonna say that again because we don't even know it. I believe when I get to heaven, the Bible says that now we see through a glass darkly. We can't see everything God sees. We don't know everything God knows. Uh, we can only see right in front of us. But, but I do know that when I get to heaven, the Bible says that we'll know even as we are known. We'll be able to see just like we can see in this room. We'll be able to look back and see everything that God protected us from, what he kept us from, how he guided our lives with his hand. And I believe that's gonna be an amazing moment when we realize, uh, hey, you say, well, I'm not, well, we got a good example of that in the book of Job that I've already mentioned when Job has his case before God and finally God speaks in those latter chapters of the book of Job and when God gets done with that chapter and a half telling Job everything, explaining to him not everything but just some things that were needful for Job to know when God does want to speak and when God gets done, Job says, oh, I've been talking like a crazy man. I was saying stuff I didn't even know what I was talking about. Out. And I believe when we get to heaven and we look back, we're gonna say, man, there were some foolish prayers I prayed. I was mad at God and I had no right to be. <laughs> oh, come on now. So by faith this morning, I'm gonna worship him. I'm gonna love him. Oh, I'm not mad at him. No, I didn't get everything I wanted, but I know he knows what's best. Oh, come on, clap your hands up. Amen. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Oh, somebody praise him right now. I feel his presence. The Bible tells us that while David is shepherding, he hears the call from probably one of his family and he is directed to come home and somebody probably goes and cares for the sheep in his stead and he, the Bible tells us that he goes into his father's home, goes into his house, and his brothers are there and the prophet Samuel is standing in the room and he anoints when David walks in, Samuel anoints him and signifying that David would be a shepherd. Not only was he a good shepherd to his father's sheep, but now he's gonna be a shepherd to God's people. Somebody say amen. It wasn't long after this that that old shepherd boy uh, was standing before Goliath taunting the, and frightening the, the armies of Israel and it was this shepherd boy that said, hey, just as I was faithful over the flock, so is God gonna be faithful to me in this battle. I'm gonna do the same thing I did then. I'm gonna stand exactly on what I stood on then. God has never left me nor forsaken me. How many know the battles get bigger and bigger as time goes on? But he's the same God yesterday, today, and forever. Amen. If he keeps you from the lion and the bear, he can keep you from Goliath. Somebody say amen. And so we're thankful for that today. And as we enter today, I want to share just a number of points with you. Number one, this is very important. It's in your notes in your student book. God's people came from a rich long-standing heritage of shepherding. We're gonna talk about shepherding just for a minute, but as you think about this, this is something that obviously with time, we don't uh, think of it in, in terms of uh, 
uh, of how they shepherded uh, back in Bible times. But uh, the Bible tells us that Abel, uh, the first generation after Adam and Eve, Adam and Eve's uh, one of their children, Abel, Genesis 4 and 2 says he was a keeper of sheep. Abraham in Genesis 12, it says he had many flocks. Isaac in Genesis 26, it says that Isaac followed in his father's footsteps. Uh, Jacob, we know, tended animals, tended to livestock. We know his brother, twin brother Esau wasn't interested in that. He was a hunter. He liked to go hunting while Jacob took care of the livestock. Uh, Jacob not only watched his father's flocks, but it included a 20-year uh, period of overseeing the flocks of his uncle Laban in Genesis chapter 30. The Bible tells us in Genesis 29, Jacob's wife tended animals. That would be a good thing. I want to be a biblical woman. There you go. Take care of the livestock. Uh-oh. Boy, that went over good too. Man, I'm striking out. <laughs> Jacob first met his wife at a village while she was watering her father's sheep. So he said, man, she can take care of livestock. That's a woman to be, uh, take home with you. Joseph, the Bible tells us, uh, this, is, this is very interesting. Joseph now is the uh, vice president, if you want to call it, of Egypt. And the Bible tells us he's second in command only to Pharaoh. And Joseph, when his brothers show up for food, and we know about all that, we're not going to get into that revelation, how Joseph tells his brothers who he is. But he counsels them when they go home and get uh, the families together and they come into Egypt. Joseph counsels his family to tell Pharaoh that their occupation is taking care of animals. He tells him that. And the reason he tells we know uh, the Egyptians' strong disdain for shepherding. They felt like it was, it was a low-class job. And so uh, Joseph evidently knew that if they told Pharaoh we take care of livestock, uh, he knew that Pharaoh would put him in Goshen, and Goshen was where all the good water was, and Goshen where all the good grass was, and... And it'd be a long way away from all those crazy Egyptians. I want to tell you, God knows what he's doing. And while Lot is picking the well-watered plains of Jordan, and Abraham said, you pick what you want, I'll take the leftovers. I want to tell you, the leftovers with God are going to end up better than the best pasture in this world. Oh, somebody say Amen. Moses and the Israelites' future, the Israelites future deliverer uh, from Egypt. The Bible tells us he tended his father-in-law's flocks in the desert of Midian. In Exodus, the Bible tells us that. And the, not only that, but we've already mentioned David was a shepherd uh, rising to prominence in, as Israel's leader. Now, in Psalm 78, we're going to read this. It poetically captures God's call in David's life. Let's look at chapter 78 of Psalms, verse 70 through 72. He chose David, also his servant, and took him from the sheepfolds. From following the ewes great with young, he brought him to feed Jacob, his people, and Israel, his inheritance. So he fed them according to the integrity of his heart and guided them by the skillfulness of his hand. Notice, the call of God brought David from the sheepfold, from how he cared for the sheep, and he saw how he followed the ewes 
that were, uh, that were great with child getting ready to have lambs. He saw how David took care of those, uh, those sheep and God chose him in that environment. Well, I could chase a bunch of rabbits here, but just let me say this. He that's faithful over a few things, God says, I'll make him ruler over many. Now, I know you think it's below you to follow around a bunch of pregnant sheep. But God said, I saw how he treated those pregnant sheep. (laughs) And that's the kind of guy I want to lead my people. I saw how he took care of those lambs. That's the guy I want to take care of my people. Oh, somebody needs to hear what I'm saying right now. It does matter. The little things do matter. Well, it's not important. I go to church every, sir. It does matter. Well, it doesn't matter if I give or I, oh, it does matter. It, well, it doesn't matter how I go to work. That's not church. Related. Oh, it does matter how you treat your boss, how you talk to your coworkers. Anybody hearing what I'm saying? Oh, it doesn't matter what I do in Walmart. That's not church. I wouldn't say that in church. Oh, it does matter. It does matter. The Lord's watching how you take care of the little things. And when you're faithful over a few things, God says, you know, no matter how much I give him, he's gonna be faithful over that too. Somebody say amen. Why might shepherds, uh, why, why would you think shepherds would be good leaders? Why, what do you have to put up with when you, now there's some in here that do this. They do it a lot more than the rest of us. I'm not talking about some cat or some little puppy we have in the house. There's people in here that take care of animals. How would taking care of animals make you a good leader? Patience. Patience. Why is that a good quality, Brother Craig? Patience. (laughs) Animals wander off. Animals do stupid things, don't they? Amen. Well, we're not talking about people. We're talking about animals. It makes you a good leader because you learn how to evaluate. Very good. Animals have a personality? Are you sure? Okay. We're not going to testify about that, but some of you know. You'll be on the box up here? Oh, no, it's, it's good stuff. It to teach you how to evaluate patience. You know what else taking care of livestock? I look back now and realized uh, uh, I was raised on 40 acres. Now, we didn't have a big farm or a bunch of, but we did have some chickens and, you know, we milked cows and we had pigs and there's nothing cuter than a, a, a fresh batch of a bunch of little pigs running. I called it boxing. I don't know what they were doing, but after they... After they nursed, they got real wiggy. And they'd run around and run into each other and just do crazy stuff. Uh, I, looking back, I think, well, because I often wonder, my mom liked to go on vacations. We'd go to Galveston, we'd go to Florida, Destin or Fort Walton Beach, and we, you know, dad never went. Anybody want to know why? Can't leave the animals. Can't leave them. Well, I know vacation's nice, but who's going to milk the cow? You get back in a week, what you got? 
what you got? <laughs> I didn't hear that. I'm not sure I wanted to. Huh? Got cottage cheese. There you go. Chickens. You know, who's going to feed the dog? Who's going to slop the hogs? Who's going to, you know, who's going to milk the cow? These are all very important. If you're going to take care of animals, that's something you think about. You just can't run out. Well, I just feel like going to Denver. Got to be patient. What's that? Integrity. Steadfastness. Any other words? Any of you had animals that you think this is what would make me a good leader? Love. That's a good point. Loving your animals. Loving your, my goodness, loving your animals. Responsibility. I often thought about sacrifice. If I often thought about this sacrifice issue in the Old Testament. I, you know, when it was time to go take a lamb to the temple and you got to pick your best one. The best one probably was the one with the name. Yeah. So love, yes, steadfastness, faithfulness. These are all good terms. So this is why God chose David shepherding. Uh, this is something else I think it's very important for us to recognize, and you probably uh, are aware of this. Shepherding was a challenging vocation. It was very difficult. Taking care of animals is difficult. It's, it's you know, like, like a milk cow, it's morning and evening. It's, you, know, you, know, you, just, you don't even get a whole day off. If you're if you work in a dairy farm, it's morning and evening. Okay. Uh, in fact, Jacob in the Bible, Jacob complained to Laban about the harsh realities of taking care of Laban's flocks. Uh, shepherds have to be on the top of their game, always alert, constantly aware of their. Just think about the animals you took care of. Just think of no fencing. Think think about that. Um, so there was no going home. They're constantly aware of their surroundings, uh, always alert. Uh, it offered little in the way of excitement. <laughs> this wasn't an exciting vocation, yet it was anything but boring most times. Uh, the shepherd had to be ready at a moment's notice to defend his flock. Imagine being a shepherd and the imagery of a shepherd serves as a metaphor for God's special love and care for his people. That's in your notes. That's in your notes. It's, there you go. The imagery of a shepherd serves as a metaphor. How many know God loves you? He cares for you. And in our text, he said, I'm the good shepherd. I'm not a bad shepherd. I'm the good shepherd. He loves us and cares for us. Somebody say amen. He's the consummate caretaker. Amen. He always is caring for his flock. Somebody say amen. And I'm, I appreciate that. A shepherd would uh, have compassion, as some have mentioned, and mercy to the, the, the cries of their flock, uh, just as the Lord did with his people in Egypt. He heard the cry of his people in bondage. Amen? And a good shepherd says, I'm going to bring them out. The Bible says he delivered them from slavery. A good shepherd navigates his flock through rough terrain. Yes, I know the sheep don't know why you're between these mountains, standing in front of a sea with Pharaoh behind you. The sheep don't know why, but the shepherd does. 
Oh, is anybody hearing me? No, I know you're going the wrong way, but throw your map away. You got a better GPS than all the maps in this world. It's called the Good Shepherd. Oh, hallelujah. He knows the way that I take. Yes, he does. I said he knows where you are this morning. You're not there by accident either. Oh, come on, somebody clap your hands under the Lord. I, I'm gonna hurry here. I've got just a few minutes. He knows he fed them. He directed them to sources of water. When the water ran out, he followed them. <laughs> a rock followed them around. Man, what a dude. A rock followed them. He protected them from all their adversaries. I, I, let me just name the, um, the Amalekites, the Canaanites, the Amorites, the Bashanites. God outwitted the Moabite king Balak who had hired a prophet to curse God's people. But you know what happened? Balaam couldn't curse God's people. And the thing that the devil meant to bring about evil was turned around into a great blessing for God's people. That's the kind of good shepherd he is. (laughs) Oh, hallelujah. The Bible says he saved them. He saved them. He redeemed them. Somebody say amen. Our next point, the Lord rescued many heroes of the faith who in turn referred to God as their shepherd. He rescued not only a whole nation, but he rescued people in the Bible and they referred to the Lord as their shepherd. Joseph, who was a shepherd, was sent to find and report back to his brothers who were feeding his father Jacob's flock. Now, Joseph would suffer many misfortunes, amen, Over 20 years of difficulty would ensue at the hands of jealous brothers, but through it all, God kept his steady hand on Joseph's life. Amen. And this is a good example of patience, Brother Craig. For 20 plus years, Joseph's life seems to be going down the drain, but he's got a good shepherd that's taking care of him. Notice, in fact, the words of Jacob, Joseph's father, listen, at the end of his life, listen to what he says about Joseph. Genesis 49, 24, but his bow or his bow abode in strength and and the arms of his hands were made strong by the hands of the mighty God of Jacob. From thence is the shepherd, the stone of Israel. Jacob says God made Joseph's hand strong to be a shepherd and a stone in Israel. (laughs) I want to tell you, God knows how to take care of his children. It doesn't matter where they are. David was faithfully steered by God through some of the most difficult times of life and some of the most discouraging times that anybody could go through. Plots to murder him and end his life and God guided him through it all. He is a good shepherd. In fact, it's not in your notes, but I just want to read it. It's called the Shepherd Psalm. Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures, and I don't know about you, but there's been some places he made me lie down also. 
He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his reputation, his namesake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. Oh, my cup is running over. Oh, for some saints of God with that kind of attitude. Man, my cup is running over. God has been good. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Somebody say amen. Another point I think is very important, the imagery of sheep serves as a metaphor, not also as a metaphor for God's people. Everybody say God's people. That's us. We are likened to sheep. In fact, the Bible talks about a fold that the sheep go in, and Jesus is the door of the fold, and so he's gathering his sheep. Amen. And so this, this metaphor of God's people, and when you study it, you, you've got a phone, you've got an iPad, you can just, you know, hit a search uh, of the web and characteristics of sheep, and you can, you can come, you can see some interesting things. They're very timid, they're very fearful, they're very easily panicked, they scatter if they don't have a leader. Uh, they, some say they're dumb, huh? Gullible, very vulnerable to fear, frustration, hunger, pest. They're easily influenced by a leader. Uh, they stampede easily. They're vulnerable to mob psychology. They scatter. Uh, they have little or no means of self-defense. The only thing they can do is run. <laughs> run, forest. <laughs> They're easily killed by enemies. The shepherd is the most effective calming influence. Did you hear that? The shepherd is the most effective calming influence. Oh, doctor, I need you to help me. I'm having trouble with my anxiety. The shepherd is the most calming influence. There's a four-week study series right there. The shepherd is the most effective calming influence. Great peace have they that love my law, and nothing shall offend them. Great peace. Listen, if you don't have peace today, I think you ought to go on an investigation as to why. I think you ought to. And maybe the sources of, of what you're looking for for peace, maybe that's not the source of peace. Maybe the shepherd is the most effective calming influence of your life. Maybe you ought to try that. Somebody say amen. They're very jealous. They're competitive for dominance. They're very jealous. They need fresh water and fresh pasture, but they don't know where to find it. They have very little discernment in choosing a pasture. They are stubborn. They will insist on their own way even. They say eating poisonous plants or drinking dirty water. You need a shepherd. Turn to your neighbor and tell them, I need a shepherd. They are easily cast. Now, what cast means? They, you know, their 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 wool gets big. Heavy. They, if it gets wet, they they'll fall over. And if they get cast on their back, they cannot right themselves. They'll die of starvation if they're not stood back up. 
And that leads to too much wool if they're going by the still waters and get a little wet. They can't have, so that means, you know, they, sometimes you got to shear them and they don't like shearing. Uh-oh. They frequently look for easy places to rest, but it might not be the best place. They're creatures of habit. They get into ruts. They just keep doing the same thing over. You got to lead them to a new pasture. Hello. They need the most care of all livestock, sheep. They need to be on the move. They need a predetermined plan and they need a pattern of grazing. They are totally dependent on the shepherd for every need. Now that's sheep for you. There are times we all think we know the way ahead on our own. There are times we feel like we can make it by ourselves. We believe we can fend for ourselves. But I want to tell you today, without God, we are lost sheep wandering aimlessly with no direction. That is a fact. Another point, while the Lord reigns supreme as the chief shepherd in 1 Peter 5, he has appointed under shepherds to help tend his flock under shepherds. Somebody say under shepherds. That's a shepherd under the good shepherd. And when the Lord informed Moses that he was about to die, Moses prayed that the Lord would grant Israel a much needed replacement. That is found in number 17 verse 16. And it says this, let the Lord, the God of the, of the spirits of all flesh, set a man over the congregation which may go out before them and which may go in before them and which may lead them out and which may bring them in, that the congregation of the Lord be not as sheep which have no shepherd. Somebody say amen. Turn to your neighbor and tell them we all need a shepherd. God has raised up in Ephesians four different types of ministries, evangelists, pastors, uh, prophets, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers to assist in the oversight of the flock. Jeremiah 3.15 describes why God gave pastors. You want to know why there is a pastor? Jeremiah 3 says he'll give pastors according to his heart, which shall feed you with knowledge and understanding. Let me just say this about that statement. If I give you a fish, I feed you for a day. If I show you how to fish, you only go hungry because you're too lazy to fish. So with that in mind, pastors are here to feed you with knowledge and understanding. Somebody say amen. On rare occasions, leaders may lose sight of the good shepherd, and that's a fact. There's people that's wandered away from the truth. In fact, Peter, in the book of 2 Peter, he talks about uh, heresies among you, false teachers among you. There are people who lose sight of the good shepherd. There are under shepherds who are filled with their own agenda. Can I get an amen? Jeremiah 20, verse 21, for the shepherds have become dull-hearted. Listen, even the pastor has to make sure his heart is sensitive to God. Okay, I need the Lord in this service. I don't have time to get distracted as to why God hadn't answered a certain prayer. I need God to lead me. Somebody say amen. And David is a great example of shepherd, 
uh, shepherding God's people and taking care of the people of God. Somebody say amen. And this is very important, it's in your notes. Seeing this deplorable state of affairs, the prophets foretold that shepherds had walked away from God, they had gotten dull-hearted, and the prophets foretold of a new messianic age in which a righteous shepherd would rise up and take care of God's people. I'm so thankful that Jesus is in our lives. Isaiah 40, verse 11, speaking of that Messiah that we know is Jesus Christ. He shall feed his flock like a shepherd. He shall gather the lambs with his arm and carry them in his bosom and shall gently lead those that are with young. Now, I don't know about you, but I know of a time, many times, when God fed me and gathered me and carried me and gently put me in the place he wanted me to be. I'm thankful I have a good shepherd today. Amen. Amen. Let's lift our hands and thank him for his care for his people today. I thank you, Lord, that you're a shepherd to us. I praise you for it, God. I lift your name up today, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness. Praise God. And I want to close this class, and I just, I'm just thankful today for the care of the Lord and how good he's been to me. In Jesus Christ, God's people have a great shepherd. In fact, during Jesus' ministry in Matthew 9, it states that God's people had fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep with no shepherd. Oh, you don't want a shepherd? Then get ready to faint, get ready to scatter. But I want to tell you, the shepherd will not leave you alone. He'll keep reaching for you and drawing you because he wants to lead you in a good path. I want to tell you the last point. Jesus is no ordinary caretaker. (laughs) He can supply every need. Listen, I want to tell you something. If you talk to the Lord as much as you talk to other caretakers, (laughs) uh uh-oh. Uh Uh-oh, if he's the one that can supply, then why are we not going to the supply? I'm not saying it's it's bad to talk to somebody else. No, but I need to know that Jesus is the ultimate caretaker. John chapter 10, in that whole chapter, there's a bunch of statements about who Jesus is. He says in there, I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. It also states he knows his sheep by name. And it also says all his sheep know him. In fact, it goes on to say when he speaks, his sheep instantly recognize his voice. So I'd be very careful about my place with God. I would do some self-examination if I heard a voice and I wasn't sure if it was the Lord or not. Because the Bible in John 10 says when the shepherd speaks, the sheep instantly No, that, oh, that's the shepherd right there. Oh, I want that to happen in me. That's the voice of the Lord right there. And I want to be one of his children. Jesus, the Bible says, willingly surrendered his life on behalf of the flock. And that's the great shepherd that we have. In fact, no wonder the author of the book of Hebrews referred to Jesus as the great shepherd of the sheep. Lead me, Lord, I'll follow Somebody say amen. I want you to stand together right now. Let's a class together. As we get ready to close this class, I just want you to pray right now. Lord, help me to follow you. Help me to trust you, Lord. Help me to be one of your flock. Help me to recognize your voice. 
Help me, Lord, to draw near to you. Help me, Lord, to know that you're where my care comes from, my comfort comes from, my strength comes from you, Lord. Lord, I know you know where I am. You said the very hairs of my head are numbered. You know my name, oh Lord. You know all there is to know about me. I praise you today because you're a good shepherd. I praise you today because you're the good shepherd. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Praise the name of the Lord. He's a good caretaker. Amen. He's taking care of me. Somebody say amen. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for being in this time of study, this adult class. Let's, uh, we're going to get ready to move into our main service. Greet somebody. Amen. We'll have folks coming in in just a minute. Be sure and greet our guest. God bless you in Jesus' name.